Welcome to Punch Board Paradise, a board gaming podcast coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the board games that we have been playing and talk about the board gaming topics that affect our hobby. In episode three, the Punch Boarders talk about some games that we've been playing recently. We will have an in-depth discussion about variable player powers, why they're good, why they're bad, and why we like them, and then draft our top four games with variable player powers. Welcome once again, and I'm Clef. And I'm Richie. Hey, I'm Chad. All right, gentlemen, how are things going? Not bad. Pretty good. Yeah, uh, I'm freezing here in uh, in Omaha. We're having our third winter. Yeah, <laughs> it's like 28 <laughs> degrees or something like that out there. Yeah, yeah. but that's not Spring with wind chill. To come. <laughs> that's not right. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's pretty bad. Hey, I, I was didn't even want to go out for lunch today. It was so cold. <laughs> I uh, I I want to say I looked on the uh, the guild today, and I'm I'm really I'm I'm sad because. We've already had people up there and voting, which is great, but Richie is winning by 50% right now. Yeah, of course. Well, I, I at least have more votes than Chad, so I'll take You know, <laughs> though, I think it's important to note, like, the best game on my list is Brussels 1893, and we did talk about, like, the fact that this is an underrated game not enough people know about, and I, I, I couldn't help but think, like, yeah, I was thinking to myself, Chad, this is, you know... You may you may not always be popular, but this is the price you have to pay to lead people to you know the good stuff. You know sometimes to be a tastemaker, to really show people, you know the way to really good games. You know they might not always be popular mm-hmm. at first. So you know I can handle mm-hmm. I can handle not getting all the votes. It's it's mm-hmm. tough to lead the way sometimes, but yep. whatever you got to tell yourself. To make <laughs> yeah, sure that, 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 that sounds you. like you just need to draft better. <laughs> <laughs> or roll better yeah right that's the thing all right but, but before we get started though i have this clef and i were just talking about it today and i have uh this bone to pick and richie you're gonna be the third man to clear this up uh all right we have been talking about Keyflower, and clef clef insists that it just doesn't feel like an auction game he says it doesn't feel like an auction game i'm not really sure why it doesn't but to me that's one of the big parts of Keyflower, the auction and it's done in a really interesting way so now richie before you answer here let me <laughs> plead my case okay okay now first of all okay so we can all three of us will agree modern art is an auction game correct right. okay there's no questions about that and you know for the most part i would agree that like raw is an auction game but here's why i say that Keyflower is not an auction game and i guess the reason is is when you're placing those meeples out it sometimes is not in necessarily an auction that you're using those meeples you can sometimes use those as is more strategic that then can eliminate somebody from just simply even getting to a tile so it's not like we're in modern art you can always bid it's just what do you feel like the right amount is where in Keyflower, most of the time, that's not the case. You're just simply putting out meeples, hoping, a lot of times, especially if you don't pay enough attention like I don't, you're just hoping that whatever you put out there is good enough to take that tile. You're not actually going, okay, well, I know if I bid five on this tile, you know, that's going to overpay for it, and then they don't, they're don't, they not going to be able to, to take it. So I, I'm not saying that there's not auction or, or bidding. I, I said I, I thought it was more bidding, and then somebody said, well, that's the same thing as auction, but... I'm not saying it doesn't have aspects of it, but I would not call the game an auction game. 
I really think that's almost like a secondary, if not a like a third or a fourth part of that game. Okay. So would you almost? You can... <laughs> <laughs> so would you almost like think of it as area control on yes. those styles? I would hundred percent more consider it to be area control than I would be an auction. But. I just don't think of it as an auction mechanic. But the color of the meeples is like different currencies, and you're driving up the cost for somebody else sometimes just to just to do that. If you can see, you know that they're going to need certain tiles. Yeah, but like like Richie just said, I think of that more is is an area control. Now, obviously, I, I tried to say the other day it was the mechanic of of cat and mouse, and that's not really a mechanic, but you sometimes are just simply trying to bait somebody into trying to take over a different tile with their meeples when you really have another agenda in mind. But like I said, I just don't find that to be, and just, I don't find it to be an auction mechanic, like the same type of auction when you talk about like with a modern art or something where it's just purely money. I, I just find it to be more strategic than using the word auction. I can see what you're talking about. And area control is, is adjacent, I think, to the auction that you're thinking of in this case. But the difference is when you win the auction, you get the tile. When you're winning area majority, you don't necessarily get to keep the land. But the tile is yours. You're bidding on something you get to own and keep. All right, Richie. What was the verdict? <sighs> you were pulling me there for a second. <laughs> with the <laughs> the fact that you do take the tile because i was thinking you know what really is the difference like when you're playing like mission red planet or el grande where you're putting down the meeples into those areas and then at the end of the round you win those points but next round you may not get those points but you are taking that tile and key flower mm -hmm. and now that is yours yeah, you get to keep it it's like it's like biblios has an auction in it too but it's not the way you traditionally think of as an auction so right all right, so yeah. the first Chad first wins. argument on on Paradise uh, on Punchboard Paradise goes to you guys and I. Guess. All right, that's <laughs> oh yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you almost well, had me though. You almost had you know, me. Okay, well, good. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> well, if nothing else for me, I'm really happy. If even since it doesn't feel like spring around here, baseball season has started. I'm a huge Royals fan. Not that that's going to be a good thing this year. And yes, Chad, you can talk all about the Yankees and their great lineup. And oh. everything. But I'm just excited that baseball is back. That's my one big thing. Uh, Richie, you're not a baseball fan, are you? No, I was terrible. I'm terrible at any sport where you got to take you know, a bat or a club and hit something. <laughs> so I never got into it as a kid. So. <laughs> okay, duly noted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, oh. I'm just happy. Stanton hit a home run on his first at bat. Money well spent, yes. baby. There you go. Good old Yankees. Well, just get out there and buy. Now listen, teams. listen. They're not even. They're oh. the seventh highest payroll in baseball. Seventh highest. That's that's not all that high up there. Well, that's partly because the Dodgers spend a billion dollars on their payroll, <laughs> and I, I don't. Who else? Boston. I'm yep, sure Boston's is up there. I don't know, possibly Houston at this point. Yep, hot. Well, Houston. Houston's up there, too. Is Houston yep. above you? All right. All right, before we bore Richie to death. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, what? Uh, let's let's get into board games. Maybe somebody wants to hear about board games and not baseball. Uh, what have you been playing here lately? All right, well, I'm all prepared to talk about uh, Pulsar 2849, which is a game by Vladimir Suhi, 
I think it's pronounced Su Suhi, if I got the pronunciation right. Anyway, um, it's a dice drafting point salad game where uh, players are drafting dice to take actions uh, that include discovering planets, harnessing pulsars, and creating these gyrodynes that earn you points every round. And the 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 fun comes out of the tightness of the dice drafting mechanism. Usually dice drafting is one of my favorite mechanisms anyway. And so the fun comes out of now I will admit choo, uh, setting up the dice for drafting is wonky and we've messed it up our first few plays, but uh, the dice drafting mechanism where you have to choose die and based on how high the pips are on the board and how far they are from a, from a median marker, you may have to, move your player markers down on either the initiation track, which determines first player and so on, or move down on the mining track, which gets you these little mining cubes, which helps with either end game scoring or manipulating the pips on the die. So the, the choices are really tight there. Do I want to take a higher level die, which usually corresponds to better actions, or do I want to try to keep my place in line, so to speak, and try to go first? Because a lot of times you may take some great die and then miss out on getting the action because somebody else gets to go before you, which is really infuriating when you thought you had a great plan. As far as I can tell, it's really important to find ways to get that third extra red die that can be drafted. It's a different color, and you can do these things where you take these, I want to call them transistors, but they're not not correct, but you are taking these tiles to uh, draft <clears throat> depending on the pips on the die and on the tile. And if you build those, those will help you get die, red die, every round or so. And then that's an extra action you can take because you really are fighting for extra actions because it feels really tight to do what you want to do. Scores can get really high, especially with traveling around in space. But I think there's a, a lot of nice variables in this game and there's two-sided player boards where you can kind of choose the way you want to go and what you want to focus on. Um, the the uh, actions that correspond to each die roll kind of mount up each round so they also kind of differ and that's exciting as well so there's a lot of variability like any suhi game shipyard being one of them uh it's really kind of fiddly to put together and set up i mean super fiddly but i feel like it's worth it uh you guys have played richie what do you think of this game i liked it it was a good game and i'm usually a little wary of uh cg games because like you were saying they can be fiddly and you know shipyard galaxy trucker uh, dungeon pets it just seems like there's just so much just thrown out on the table and it's kind of the same way in this game but once you get into it and you figure out that whole dice thing that i don't know if i've played a game where we've done that right but uh once you get that all done it, you know you're just taking those two actions each turn the gameplay can get tight pretty quick i, I really enjoyed it actually yeah clef how about you i know you've played it a couple times yeah uh... Yeah, more than a couple. Um, I will say this. The first time we played this game, I was like, I do not like this game. It was a little fiddly. The whole dice, well, the drives drafting wasn't bad, but the whole figuring out the median thing was just weird, which I have figured out that we were doing wrong. Um, and it was just too tight. But then afterwards, I said, yeah, you know, maybe it's not so bad. We played it again. And I, for some reason, after the second play, I really fell in love with this game. So I picked up a copy of my own. 
And I believe now, if I'm not mistaken, I have either eight or nine plays of this game. Wow, that's um, more than I thought. I have, yeah, I have played it, uh, and I've played it at all player counts now. Um, I've played two, three, and four. Um, I've only played it at four once, but I've played it at three quite a bit, and I've, I've played it at two quite a bit. And the funny thing, I really like two-player because the uh, initiation track, when you play two-player, you actually have, both of you have two ships up there. And so you're actually vying for second, third, and fourth the entire game. And then when you draft the dice, that's the actual order. So like, for instance, you could have the first two positions and get to draft the first two dice. And then the other person gets to draft the second two dice. So the the initiation track is even more uh, powerful in a a two-player game. I I like it with the entire game. We never when we first played it, we didn't play with those extra boards, but I like those uh, variable boards that you can play it with. It just gives you more options, which seems weird as tight as the game is. It's definitely a game that you, after at least about the third round, you need to be figuring out how to get yourself a red bonus die every single round, or you're going to have a hard time winning the game. That's really the key to that is just how many extra dice can you acquire in a round to, to be able to do more actions? Um, I've seen a bunch of people try the, the gyrodyne or however you say it, uh, way to go. And it just seems like to me that that you can't just do that. You have to also do the space flight. And I think it's kind of a nice skit where really you kind of have to do a little bit of everything to kind of win the game. At least I've found not to mention, you also have to remember those, uh, Oh, what are those in-game bonus scoring things too? Those are really, really important, but I like it. I think one of the reasons I like it is it kind of clicks with me. And so I just, I can understand it. And I feel like it's a really easy game now that I understand it really well. I think it's a really easy game for me to teach. I really have every person I've taught. I really am able to teach it fairly quickly. And I feel like they understand it fairly easy. So Anyways, that was a really uh, short version of what I said. <laughs> no, that's good. I can tell you're excited about it. It's a good game. I yeah, totally agree. I'll, I'll have to play it at two since I haven't. But yeah, I, I'm really enjoying the game. I It, it grows with each play for me. But that is uh, Pulsar 2849. So, Richie, what have you been playing? Uh, I picked up uh, Riverboat uh, by Michael Kiesling and from Lookout Games. Your man. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say, I, it feels like I've been talking about him a lot where... I need to start looking for some checks in the mail. But, <laughs> Maybe he can sponsor us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so in Riverboat, you're 19th century farmers on the banks of the Mississippi. And the name Riverboat is a little misleading because it's really a farming game, essentially. The game is played over four rounds. And in each round, there's five phases. And my favorite part, of, one of my favorite parts of the game is that at the beginning of each round, you'll draft these phase tiles. And when you're drafting those, you're determining who's going to go first in that phase. And then also uh, there's a bonus that that first person gets each time they have that phase tile. And I'll just quickly run through the, the phase tiles. But uh, the first phase is just setting out your workers. It's like this little bingo mechanic where uh, whoever has that tile will flip over eight cards and we're we're going to be setting out eight workers onto our uh, little farm board that we have. And then the second phase, you're going to be drafting the different crop tiles from, I can't remember what the board is called, but from the main board that has the scoreboard and everything, there's all these different crop tiles and they come in three different sizes that you're drafting and they have different goods on there like corn, potatoes, different things like that. So that's all you do in the second phase. Then the third phase where 
this is the only time that the river boats come in, you're going to be harvesting different crops that you have taken and shipping them on the different river boats. And this kind of feels like, uh, this part kind of feels like heaven and ale, which we talked about last episode, where when you ship the, depending on the number of goods that you ship to the different river tiles, it'll give you some type of bonus. And the lower bonuses let you move uh, the harbor master, which is kind of like the brew master in heaven and ale, where at the end of the game, whoever has their harbor master furthest gets to score all of their riverboat tiles. And each riverboat tile has a, a little, I can't, I think it's capacity is what they call it in the, the game, a little capacity number that if you're furthest ahead, you get to score all of your riverboats at full capacity and everyone else scores half point. So just like in Heaven and Ale, it's important to get that Harbor Master going if that's kind of the strategy that you're going after. And then in the fourth phase, you are drafting different scoring cards. And the thing that I really like about this is when you take these cards, you're not actually scoring them right away. You'll set them to the side. And then in the last phase in a round, which is the scoring phase, you have the opportunity to possibly score different features either on your farm or on these scoring cards. And you're using these green surveyors. And at the beginning of the game, you start out with two and there's only a couple of ways for you to get additional ones throughout the game. But just like with a lot of Kiesling games, it gives you a lot of control over how you score and when you score. It's just really tight as far as getting those surveyors to score any points. It's not as tricky as Heaven and Nail as far as the scoring goes, uh, but you have to pay attention to what other people are doing, and then you also have to really time out when you score to get the most points. And I, I know I taught both of you guys. Uh, Clef, what did you think of it? I, I liked it. I, I thought the action selection of the uh, five different tiles that you had to choose. I thought that was a really neat aspect. Um, I liked the, just the, you know, the different choices, good, solid Euro game. I think if I was to say which one I liked better, I think heaven and ale, I think I like, and I'm almost positive. I think I like heaven and ale better. Now, granted mm-hmm. I've played heaven and ale four or five times where I've only played that one play of riverboat. Right. So maybe more plays would make it a little bit better. But um, yeah, I, overall, I liked it, but I think I liked Heaven and Ale a little bit better. Yeah, and I think I'm in the same boat there. I think overall, I think Heaven and Ale just has some more interesting choices throughout the game. But I, I mean, I did enjoy this. Yeah. Chad, I know you didn't really like Heaven and Ale all that much. Or I mean, you thought it was kind of an average game. How did this one feel for you? I, I well, he won this one, so he certainly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, that's Sorry. my performance was better. Let's put it that way. Um, I will say that I definitely, I definitely enjoyed my one play of riverboat. Riverboat again. I'd have to to compare. I'd I'd have to play it again. I feel like, but certainly the tile placement was less opaque for me in riverboat. So that was a a plus. Yeah. Um, I I liked the the action selection mechanism that you talk about, and I really liked trying to. The, the riverboats in some ways were kind of like sheds in the heaven and air right. game. And I, I, but I, for whatever reason, I, I liked, I liked what I was doing with that a little bit more. I would say it felt to me for what it's worth, like a lighter game, but that didn't make it any less desirable to play. I still felt like there were plenty of interesting decisions. So, yeah, it's man, I, when I say I, you know, I like it less than Heaven Ale, I don't think it's far off. I mean, it's just like a a box of mechanics, basically. And I don't know it. Would you say I mean, it's lighter? Would you say it's lighter than Heaven Ale? 
I think so. I think it is a little lighter. It it's easier to teach for sure, That's, and I think it's easier yeah, to understand for sure the strategy on it. Yeah. So in that way, maybe that's what I think seems lighter. It's easier for somebody to pick it up on a first play. Right. Yeah, the scoring just makes a lot more sense in that game. So I'm definitely going to get some more plays in it, and then uh, you know we'll see later on if I come back to it, how I still feel about it. Uh, Clef, what have you been playing? Well, I got a chance to play the big daddy that's out there right now, Rising Sun. Uh, a friend of mine, Jake, has a you know, decked out, beautiful Kickstarter, all the, you know, bits and craziness and metal coins and nice tiles and everything. So, uh, yeah, I got a chance to play Rising Sun. So real quick overview, Rising Sun, basically you're in control of different clans that have uh, unique abilities. Before each round, you get to make alliances with other players. Uh, Then you go into kind of what I... uh, uh, say is like a drafting where you have these tiles that you get to pick where you get to look at three of them and then draft one of those. And then that tile, you get to do a certain action then that everybody else also gets to do, but you get a special bonus ability when you take that tile, similar to something like uh, Puerto Rico where, or, uh, you know, or Twilight Imperium where you, when you select it, you get a bonus for taking it. Um, But the unique thing about this game is then with that alliance that I already talked about, whoever you aligned with also gets to take your special ability. So that can help them out, but also, you know, you want to be aligned with them so that when they do it, you also get to take their extra ability. So then uh, after that, you basically, um, with these different tiles, you can buy cards that help you out. You are able to put workers, or not workers, but your these amazing miniatures, basically your armies out onto these areas that you're fighting for area control. So you're trying to put them strategically out there. You can move them around different things. And then after everybody's gone through um, and, and used all their, the tiles, then you have kind of a area control battle. And so that's where, you know, depending on how many pieces you have there and different abilities that you have, you're going to win certain areas. And when you win them, you're going to get a tile and you're trying to collect as many tiles from different areas as, as you possibly can, which will eventually get you victory points at the end of the game. Uh, you're going to do this three rounds. At the end of the third round, whoever has the most victory points is the winner. So first of all, I'll start off by saying this is maybe not, you know, this is more out of my comfort level for a game. Uh, very, very simply, I'll, I'll give you the final scores of the game that I played. Uh, first player had like 52, second player had 51. The other two people were like in the forties. I scored 20 points. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's just because I'm really, really bad at these games, or maybe I just didn't quite pick up on the nuances, but, um, so that not to say that that made it a bad game. I'm just saying that that's kind of where I'm coming from, where it's just a little bit out of my comfort level for these kind of area control more Ameritrash type of games than maybe a Euro game that's that's kind of in my my bread basket. Um, <laughs> things that I definitely liked about the game, I loved the the tile and the selecting the tiles and then getting those, you know, those you everybody takes the one action, but you get a special action. And I liked that and I liked the alliance thing. Now I'll say that it was it was a little bit, I don't want to say prescriptive, but like in the first round, 
two people aligned really quick. And then one of them was a, was a buddy of mine who obviously was like, well, I'm never aligning with you. So he aligned with somebody else. So I got left out the first round, which kind of hurt me um, for the, the game. I obviously I wasn't getting any bonus actions the first round, but then after the first round, it was just kind of a, okay, that person's in first place. So we're not going to align with them. We're not going to give them any bonuses. So I kind of felt like after the second round, in a five-player game at least, there was no question on who was going to be the person who wasn't going to get an alliance, which I'm assuming that's probably a normal thing when you have some sort of alliances and things like that. Anybody who's winning the game, they're certainly going to be the one that's going to be left out. Um, so I liked the tiles. The other thing I liked about the game is, and for maybe for me, theme is not always the number one thing, but certainly the beautifulness of this game is amazing. The miniatures, I mean, I wouldn't even call them miniatures. I would call them, I don't know, works of art. Yeah, they are just gigantic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're gigantic. There's a good word. They're not miniatures, but they are beautiful. The board is beautiful. This Kickstarter version he had had like the tiles that you draft from were like like ceramic tiles, like almost like a Zool type of tiles. I mean, they're just, it was just beautiful. So it was just even nice to touch those. Everything about the game was just beautiful. I also liked variable player power. Certainly, uh, a, that's a neat thing in that game where each race or clan has a very different player power. And that's always just always one of my favorite things, which we're going to talk about in a moment. But anyways, so I really liked that. Uh, you know, like I said, not a big area control person, not a big dudes fighting on a map kind of guy. But I can see where this game is definitely an amazing game. And I'll say this, most games like that, I, you know, I play once, I'd be yeah, not going to play it again. I would definitely like to give this game another try. I, I feel like it, it definitely has some things that I like enough that I would like to try it. again. Uh, I have to ask yeah. you, you, you do like TI four, which I would consider a Meritrashy. So what puts TI four in your bread basket and not, not rising sun? Well, that's funny because I, I actually was having a discussion with somebody about this today where I said, I feel like TI4 is more of a Euro game than it is an Ameritrash game. And then like three other people completely argued against me and told me that I was crazy. But for some reason, I have always feel like TI4 has more Euro-y aspects in it than it does out and outright come. You can win a game of TI4 or TI3 without ever having to attack another player. It's not often, but it can happen where in rising sun, then the whole goal of the game is obviously to just get out and try to fight for these different areas. That That's how you have to win where that's not the case in, in twilight Imperium. So you've won a game without ever attacking. Absolutely. Mm. Like I said, it doesn't necessarily happen all that often, but, or especially I'll say this, I've definitely won games where I've never entered a, a, a battle that I wasn't for sure going to win, you know, like a, something where I'm bringing in five or six dominant ships against one or two inferior ships or something like that, where it's, you know, unless some weird, crazy dice God comes and strikes me down, I'm going to win it for sure. So to me, that doesn't, I don't feel like that's a, you know, uh, like what I would consider like risk, you know, where it's just a pure luck driven thing. And, you know, one person could technically take out a whole army if, 
if you got lucky enough. Usually in Twilight Imperium, that's not the case. So when I say I've never had a battle, I'm talking about some big battle that was more luck-driven and who won the battle to win. Okay, okay. Well, there's still combat, a dice combat resolve uh, mechanisms in there, but I, I can see what you're saying. I think that sounds like a really good topic that we should talk about one of these times is what makes a Euro game, what makes an Ameritrash yeah, game. Sounds good. Yeah. Because I think it would be very interesting. Richie, you don't have this game, do you? Don't you? No, I got cold feet. <laughs> I, I had it backed. And now I'm kind of kicking myself because everyone everyone seems to like and it. And it's... Or, you know, it's such, no one's hating on it, you know? It's such a Richie game, I think. Yeah, There's, it is. Uh, the thing that I got scared about was because Eric Lang said that he kind of based this one, you know, with diplomacy in mind. Or like when he designed this, he kind of kept diplomacy in mind. Right. And I know that just kind of scared me off a little bit. So, but you like nothing would personal, you say, right? Yeah, I do. So, I don't know. I was just, you know, where because some of Eric Lang's games I love, and then some of them I hate. Right. So it's it was just you know I didn't want to just have a pile of miniatures. So I have some cool mini or not Kickstarters, and they are a great deal. If you miss a Kickstarter, it's hard to justify buying just the base game. The base game. Right. At what you're paying. I mean, you're going to end up paying you know, the same of what they paid in the Kickstarter, but you're going to get so much less. So well, we'll have to convince Josh to hold on to his copy. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Our friend Josh has a copy, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. I or I might just should. need to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, buy go. that off him. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. So that was Rising Sun. Okay. So now, uh, kind of talked about some of the games we've been playing. Now let's get into our meat and potatoes here, which is talking about variable player powers. So before we get into drafting about our our variable player power games, I thought it might be a good idea to kind of talk about what we kind of think of what is a variable player power and kind of things like I said that we like about them, maybe what we think could be bad about them in a game. Um, and, and obviously what's really good about them in a game. So, so Chad, what is your kind of definition of variable player powers in a board game? To me, variable player powers means you start out with them. Basically you don't, get them through different things away along the game. It means I start out with different stuff than you do, and that affects my gameplay. We'll get to some of these examples in a second because I hear some criticisms with that sort of thing. But in my opinion, it means starting out with a different setup than my opponents and having that affect the way I play. Okay, Richie, what do, what do you think? I would agree. I think you have to start out with them. Because when you go on BGG, like when I was trying to make my list, I went on BGG and you can search by the different mechanisms. And the games that they include in variable player power, I would I would disagree with a lot of them as far as what would be considered, you know, you know, by our definition that we've been kind of coming up with. I think it is something you have to start out with. And I also think that it has to be a big impact on the game. Like there are some games where it's like, well, you know, you get an extra coin each round <laughs> right right where i think that you know obviously it, you can it's technically variable player power but when you talk about that game you're not talking about that that player power you're talking about the game itself just right. because it it doesn't really stand out right you you gave you know we, we were talking about an example before we started here tonight and that is santa maria that that has these tiles that can give you some different powers during the game but that's not the that really doesn't make what the game is and it doesn't 
when you first start off, you're not like, ooh, what variable player power am I going to get this time? And so that's one of those games that I really wouldn't consider those to be variable player powers. Now, what do you think about expansions adding the powers? Okay, here's as what I'll say As far as our that. draft goes. You're right. Okay, well, here's what I'll say on that. I feel like if it is where that is the game that I am going to teach people, I will say, yes, I think that they should be included. If it's not something that you are always going to play with, then I would say no. Chad? Yeah, I can I can understand that. We've talked about, uh, for example, Sulkin being one that you almost right. always want to teach, and the expansion makes it very different, and the expansion has the different starting player powers, and... So that's probably one that, if if we talk about it, that makes a big difference for the game, and you almost never want to play without it. So, right. So that's for me at least. I would say yes, I will include expansions if I am going to teach the game with the expansion. If I feel like that is what the game is, that's then I would use uh, expansions. By the same token, it's interesting. We talked about. Uh, Viticulture and having to play it with the Tuscany expansion, that really doesn't have starting variable player powers. It has starting setups that are different, but it's not a power that you get all the way through. It's like you get this and you yeah. can start with this, but that's mm. different to me than powers that affect yeah. your your actions and your gameplay every round. Yeah, to- right. totally agree. Yeah, Viticulture does not have variable player powers. Those are just starting resources. I also don't include any type of role selection game where you've got, you know, five different roles and those roles get passed out to everybody at the beginning of the round or something like that. Those aren't variable player powers. To me, that's just like a role selection. Right. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of a game. Well, example Puerto Rico is now. one TI four, which we just yeah. talked about as one. Those are games that, it doesn't, your gameplay is not special because of them. It's just what you get every round. Well, not TI4. I would say TI4, TI4 you, get a, you get a power. You, you get, there's plenty oh, of other well, yes, but that's, powers. That, but, yeah. I was but you're talking, talking about the action the, selection. The drafting of yeah. the role selection. Yeah, that oh, would gotcha. not make okay. it, yeah, that would not make it uh, a variable player yeah. power. Yeah, correct. No, your races are different there. So do you guys think that they're good things in games? I, I can't, I can't think of a game where, it has variable player powers where I'm like, oh, I wish they did not have this. There's a lot of games where I wish they would throw in some variable player powers where it yeah. makes you unique. There are times where it can be people will argue that it's uh, imbalances the game in some way or one player power might be stronger than another. And there are times where I think that that's a valid criticism. Interestingly, though, uh, in the Ludology podcast, or maybe it was just a part of the Dice Tower podcast where jeff engelstein did a game tech but he talked about variable player powers because he was talking about his game the expanse and how he had different powers in that game but people were complaining online that one power was way more overpowered or op as it as people like to type in uh, than other powers however he said some of the powers that you can get are sort of passive powers where every round you get to do this, but other powers were every round you may do this, 
which means you kind of have to know the game better and take into account, okay, well, if this certain situation arises, it's better if I use my power to do this rather than this. So some player powers are more intuitive to use, especially if you're you're new to the game. And that, I think, will, will bear itself out in our lists. We can talk about that. But uh, that's, you know, like I said, you can have those imbalances sometimes. But I think a lot of times, if you really look at the game, it's a perceived imbalance, which, you know, if perception can be reality for a lot of people, but a perceived imbalance, whereas may not really be that if you get enough plays in. Yeah, I I heard that same interview by him, and, and I know exactly what you're talking about. And I agree that that's definitely something that can be bad about variable player powers. There can be ones that seem to be better than others and you know, somebody always gets that one player power and you're like, oh, that's just not fair. But I would say for the most part, I think that if you know how to play the game and you understand how to use your player power, most of the time, most player powers, I think, will still be balanced in most games that at least that I have played. I've never played a game where there's just just one player power that, oh, no matter what, you could be the worst player and still win with it. And we'll probably talk about it later, so I won't get into it. But I I have played one where I think one player power breaks the game. But I, hmm. like like you said, I think it is rare. Okay, well, excellent. So, so so I guess we kind of already touched on the fact that why they can be bad certainly can be the fact that they can be different player powers can make a, a difference in a game. Um, but for the most part, as we've all said already, I think most game designers do a very good job of making sure that they are balanced. And I, I wonder, because Richie, you just said, you know, sometimes we wish there were player powers in certain games. And like one that I'm just bummed about, I was really hoping Great Western Trail would have gotten some player powers in this new expansion. But maybe when the designer sat there and tried to make player powers for it, they just couldn't balance them. And so right. mm-hmm. they thought, well, I'm not going to put it in the game if it doesn't, if it does make it an imbalance. So maybe sometimes when we hope for player powers, maybe we should just be happy that there's not player powers in certain troops yeah (laughs) okay so now we've talked about what we think of variable player powers so let's find out which ones we think are the best all right well let's get on to the draft then on punchboard paradise podcast we like to have unique games for all of our picks so we're gonna draft we'll randomly determine who will go first and that person will pick the draft order and then we'll have a serpentine draft, meaning that the person who picks last in the first round will pick first in the second round. So that person will have two picks back to back. Once a game is drafted, it's off the board and no one else can draft it. This way we all have a unique list. So last time we did this, we each got five picks, but that seemed like it might be too long. So today we're going to try for four, but uh, we'd love to have your feedback. So. We'll post a uh, a poll on the guild, and you can give us your votes uh, if you prefer three, four, or five picks for these drafts. And then we'll just kind of go with majority rules. But today, we pick four. So here we go. On to the draft. Okay, so we're rolling? We're rolling. Let's go. All right, so. I got a three. I got a two. Oh, good. <laughs> I got a one. One, 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 one. I got a yes. one. Did you really? Yes. I really? Oh. Yeah, no, I'm I'm lying about a one. Yes. <laughs> I got a stupid one. All right. Oh, my goodness. 
Oh, wow. I didn't think I was going to come through with that three. All right, let's go. I think I'll definitely go first. <laughs> you think? <laughs> and then, uh, Chad, you can go second. Okay. I can be second. Uh, so, Cliff, okay. that puts you with the double pick at least. So. All right, all right. I'll take the double pick. All right, so this is going to be no surprise to these guys, but I will – actually, this is a little tough, but I think the powers in this game kind of put it above what – the other game that I'm thinking of, so I'm going to go with The Voyages of Marco Polo for my surprise, first pick. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> There's one other game that's out there that, uh, whatever, I'll just leave it because I'm sure it'll get picked up. One of it'll these two guys are going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> in The Voyages of Marco Polo, it's a worker placement or dice placement game, and the the player powers in this game really would make it. If you take the player powers out of this game, it's just a kind of just a mediocre. Maybe a little above mediocre, but probably a mediocre worker placement game. It's pretty vanilla. Um, yeah. yeah. With the player powers, they're just game-breaking. And what I love in variable player power games is when you get a power, you read it, and you're like, oh, that's awesome. Like the the guy that doesn't have to roll dice. And then you see someone else's power, and you're like, oh, wow, that that seems broken. It seems like they – how could they possibly lose with that? And then – in, in Marco Polo, that's almost every power, it seems like. How could you lose with that? And uh, my favorite ones in the game, from just the base game I'll talk about first, and then maybe we can get into expansion since you guys have played that. From the base game, I love the the guy that starts in Beijing, just because sometimes I don't really like to focus on traveling in that game. So that just makes it a lot easier where he just starts over there. He already gets to put his trade post in Beijing. You don't have to worry about that. And plus, you're closer to that, um, I can't remember the city name, but the city that has the three different city cards three in it. cards, yeah. Yeah. And then I actually like the, is it, it's not Marco Polo. It, the one with the white dice. Is that Mateo? Yeah, it's and, not Marco Polo. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah. It's like his brother or something yeah. like yeah. that. Because <laughs> but, Marco Polo is the one where you get the two dudes that can go in opposite. Okay. Yeah. That one's tough. But the, yeah, the, whatever, his cousin or brother or whatever, where you get the white die and plus you get a contract at the beginning yeah. of each round is is pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'll let you guys jump in since I know we all love that. Yeah, and just talking about the player powers, that's some of our discussion just we had just a little bit ago. That's one of those when if you first start playing that game, you know, you might look at that one who says you can change the dice to whatever you want. You don't have to even roll the dice. It's like, "Oh my god, that's amazing." But kind of once you've played it for a while, you realize, yeah, that one really doesn't do a lot for you. Most of the time, the dice you roll, you can use those fairly good most places. It doesn't make any difference. So having those different player powers, I'll agree with you. The one I, the one that starts in Beijing is one of my favorites because, for one thing, you get 10 points right off the right off the bat that nobody, you know, no one else is going to get for sure. And you can get to some of those better cities and not have to fight over uh, people to get to them. And then, uh, yeah, the guy who gets the white dice and can't remember is the, ex is expansion bring the one where you get goods every single time people go to the cons favor and into the, no, that's, that's in the base thing. game. Is that a base yeah, game one too? I think that game. one's really good just cause you're just getting free resources all the time. And especially if you play a, a three or four player game, um, I think it gives you less for depending on what it is, but, uh, I, I think that one is just amazing. That game more than any game. I mean, there's just no other game that it is just every single player power makes you feel like you have the best player power in the world and you look at the next guys and it's 
even better. And you're like, what the heck? I just love that part about that game. Yes, this game is what made me take notice of uh, Simone Luciani and Danielle Toschini. I had played Tolkien, but it didn't register at first. And after playing this, I went back and realized how much I love all their other designs. And it's one of my top games of all time. And the reason, I mean, the singular reason, there are other things to like about it, but far and away, the singular reason is the player powers. That's it. So good, good pick. And now we'll go on to the rest of the lists. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I would like to make the announcement that would have been everyone's first pick. That's right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yep. <laughs> so, All right, so that's the Voyages of Marco Polo. Uh, Chad, why don't you take the second pick? Well, I, you were referring to it, I think. I could be wrong, but I think you were referring to Imperial Settlers. Is this incorrect? That is incorrect, but I mean, that's. I also knew that that was going to go early. Yeah, that, okay, so for me... And, and again, we'll have to see, but that's what I was thinking, because I know you like this game not as much as I do, but uh, this it's, it's an engine builder, multi-use card game, and every, every faction you play with gets their own deck of cards, which is really the draw here. And I know you were talking about uh, one faction in particular being broken earlier when we were having our initial discussion. Yes, and, yeah, and that, yeah, I was talking about that this game yeah and so i'll let you kind of elaborate more on that i've played it as well with that faction and i can see where that's coming from but i have to say the reason that i like this game more than 51st state which is its big brother is because you have your own deck and it plays a certain way and you want to optimize that particular engine and it just it plays different. And the other great thing about variable player powers to me is it increases the longevity of a game for me. So when you play a game and you're like, Oh yeah, I love this. Okay. Got into it. I figured this out and I had a great play of this game. Oh wow. Well, it's a whole new game with this player power. You know, that's, what's really great to me about player powers is they, it's almost makes a a whole new puzzle out of the game that you have already played and love. And Imperial settlers is a shining example of this for me. So Richie, it, what you were going to talk about Aztecs, I assume. So, so yeah. <laughs> so the Aztec, and I, I'll preference this by I, I do love this game. It's in my top twenty. It used to be higher. Fifty First State has replaced it for me, just because with each expansion, it seems like the game gets a little more and more broken. Now this may be able to be fixed through deck building. I, I've just started getting into that to try to level out some of these powers but the Aztecs which was the latest or was the last uh, released one you if you know how to play that game there's no way for you to lose in my opinion I've either played with or played against them in about six games and they win every time and not only do they win they put up scores 100 plus almost every time and I mean they I've played games where I've built my entire faction deck all every card in my faction deck. And I, I don't know how any other faction can compete with that. So it just, it's weird to me that that wasn't caught during playtesting, And uh, it just. And this one was an expansion for it? Yeah. And that was one of the expansion ones. That and the Atlanteans. And a, a lot of people are saying that the Atlanteans are, are overpowered as well. And I, I, mean, I know you get that with expansions. They, you know, you kind of get that power creep because they, you know, want to make it enticing to get them. So yeah, I mean, I the I think the the base four are relatively balanced. Maybe the Egyptians are a little bit 
overpowered, but not to the point where, like the Aztecs, where you can put out your entire faction deck, no problem with that. So, but I, I still like the game, and like I said, I think maybe you could fix it with deck building, maybe not. Who knows? Yep. But. All right. Well, uh, that's Imperial Settlers. So that's my pick. Unless Clef, you have something to elaborate on with it. No, I mean. I have not played that game as as much as I'm not in love with it as much as you guys are. I think I've only played maybe twice, and I think I've played just the base game both times. And I'm be quite honest with you, I, I don't even really remember the variable player power part of the game. So, no, I, I really don't have a lot to say about it. Now, I will say I'm always surprised that Chad likes this game because he's not always big into conflict or always big into like people coming over and destroying. You know, what he's built up. And I mean, that's all this game is. You're right. Usually. You're right. And (laughs) I I totally understand that uh, that uh, observation. I just think the rest of the gameplay, for whatever reason, overcomes it for me. But I I hear what you're saying. That's that's a it's an exception in my book. Yep. All right. So I'm up. You're up. And with my first pick, I'm going to take the voyages of Mark. No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Try again. All right. Okay, well, I am going to take the game that has an expansion that makes variable player powers. And this made this game a game that I loved into a top three game for me of all time. And that is Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Yeah, and that's the I, one I was talking oh, about. Oh, okay. okay. I thought that was the one you were talking about, Richie. And I thought, well, if he doesn't take I'm taking that one for sure. And I, this game just, it, it was a great game before. There's no doubt about it. I really, really enjoyed the game. But with this new expansion that added a few other things, but one of the main things it added was these variable player powers. And talking about, you know, sometimes you get a variable player power that maybe you don't think is as powerful or think somebody else's is better. They did an amazing thing in this game where you actually get to have an auction to get your variable player power to start with where you, you can choose like what level of money that you're going to want to put your piece on. And then somebody can outbid you and basically they get less resources to start with. And so if there is a really, really good player power out there that somebody really wants, I mean, they can literally almost start with no resources to get that player power. And then you might start with one that maybe is not quite as good, but you start with a lot of resources that they don't get. And I think that is just a phenomenal way to choose player powers. And then I think the player powers are just really cool. They really make you almost have a focus. They they really do make you have a focus in that game. Like there's one that uh, every time you take one of the green cards, the harvest cards, you basically run your engine at one less than whatever that, that number was, the dice number that was on that card. And I just love when I get that. That's one of the ones I just, you know, thinking about, okay, well, I'm going to grab this and grab that so then I can run that engine. And I just I just think it's really, really cool. I mean, there's one that you get a couple of leaders and one you get to put in play right away, which, uh, you know, if you know something about the game, the leaders are just super powerful. So that game, the variable player powers, made a great game an amazingly, superbly great game. Now, Richie, I know this same thing for you. Uh, what what do you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, th- that expansion made this game jump up to my number one game of all time currently. And like you were saying with the, because usually like in Voyages of Marco Polo, the way that you, 
after you've played your first introductory game, the way that you get those player powers is through drafting. But I love that auction in this where it's like, you know, someone puts it, I mean, almost everyone will start out at the bottom and then you're like, you know what? I think I could win with less, starting with less with this and, and keep pushing it up. And uh, it just makes it really interesting, especially if some of those really powerful ones come out. Uh, I know me and Chad had a bidding war over the one where you got to put a leader right into play, which is huge in that game, especially if you, I mean, depending on the leader cards that you get, but that it, it can be huge in that game. So I took it with, yeah, I took it for one measly stick of wood and I couldn't quite make it work. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was kind of rough, but it was fun. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just a great expansion and uh, I want more player powers. Hopefully they so, will release some more. I agree. And I, I, so the reason I feel confident in saying and why I can put it on this list is I will never teach this game without the expansion with the variable player powers. I just won't. There'd never be mm-hmm. a time where I'll say, I'm going to leave it out. And if somebody says, well, you know that if you're t- teaching somebody who's maybe not a, a big gamer, you know, maybe you don't want to add that. Well, I just feel like I don't think I'm going to teach somebody who's not a gamer, Lorenzo El Magnifico, even the base game. So I feel like whoever I'm teaching should at least have some basic idea of how playing games, and then I'm just going to add it in. Yeah, I might be tough on them the first round because or first game because they don't know how the player powers and what are good, but that's just something, you know, oh, well, they're going to have to deal with it. So that's why I include it, and uh, that's Lorenzo El Magnifico for my first pick. So then I'm up again, and so for my second pick, this one might surprise Chad because I'm telling you the first time I played this game, I was like, I was ready to sell it and just get rid of it. And now I've played it about four or five more times oh, and it really is starting to climb my ranks. <laughs> <laughs> and that is uh, the Gaia ah. Project. Uh, yeah. Um, certainly most people know of Terra Mystica. Once again, a great game that has variable player powers. But Gaia Project is its uh, kind of its big brother. Basically, they've kind of done a lot of playtesting throughout four years of everybody playing this, and they have, in my opinion, really, really refined it and made it even a better, a much, much better game. But the player powers in this game are so different that everybody seems like they're just, it's like, what are you doing? Oh, that's your player power. Oh, okay. They just have such different things that you use in them. I think one of the last games I played, somebody had one where they were able to build on my same planets that I was putting out. So then all of a sudden you've got people that are on your same planet. You're like, what? You can't do that. Oh, your player power allows you to do that. Or just different things. You know, you're able to go and and do a certain thing that they can't do. Or you have different ways to do technology. Or you got to move up one track on a technology track every single round as an action. Just all kind of different things. And I'll tell you one thing about that game is I want to play it more simply because I want to try every single player power in that game. That's like a goal of mine now, I think, in that game, is just simply to try to play every single player power because they're so different that makes the game so refreshing every time because, yes, you're playing that same game, but you're doing something different with your with your player power. So, Chad, you you obviously enjoy this game. What, what do you think? I'm mad that I didn't take this one first. <laughs> I just, I mean, this, this is, you could have had Imperial settlers. I know, all I know. I realized that I wasn't even thinking. And you know what? This, this is way up there for me because it, I, and I remember playing with you and you're like, eh, it's okay. I'm like, no, what do you, what, no, 
We're going to play it again. We're going to play it again, and you will see, Sam, I am. And so eventually, I think you came to reason. But yeah, I mean, it's the... It's the puzzle of it. And I still, I suck at this game, but I really enjoy it. And I really enjoy figuring out the puzzle with each different, with each different player power. Like I said, that the, to me, that's the crux of player powers. Let's figure out how to solve it now from this angle. And it's really interesting to me because you'll hear this a lot in the forums and all this kind of stuff. Where, oh, I don't like that game. It's like, it's on rails. You choose the thing. And I'm like, what do you mean it's on rails? It's, you're playing a Euro. A Euro is an efficiency game. You are given the constraints and you play within those constraints as efficiently as you can. You take your particular player power, you play it as efficiently and to the best of your ability, and that's how you win. It's not like Caverna where you're like, hey, I'm going to go off and do my, you know, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my mine and just sit here and be happy and see how many points. Are... You're, you're given some major constraints and you can see the best way to play the game within your power and you go off and do that, you know? So, yeah, yeah, it's, it is, it is, it's a tight game. And if you don't know what you're doing, it, it can frustrate you because you can feel like, wow, I am not doing anything, but that is why that makes that such a great game is the fact that once you can figure out how do you do what you do, it makes it so satisfying to kind of, to work in that world. So now, Richie, you have not played this. I know that. And if I'm not mm. mistaken, you have not played Terra Mystica either. Is that correct? I've played Terra Mystica before. You have played. Ter- I'm okay. just not a huge fan of it. Okay. Um, but okay. no, I haven't played Gaia Project yet. We definitely need to get it played. I because what I've heard from a lot of people is that you know people who are on the fence or just don't like Terra Mystica have good have had a good experience with this. So I definitely want to give it a try. I hands down. It's better than Terra Mystica. I mean, Terra Mystica is basically on my cell pile right now because I will never pull out Terra Mystica over Gaia Project. I would not to say that if I went somewhere and somebody said, "Hey, I got Terra Mystica and I want to play," it, I'd still play Terra Mystica. It's not like I'm like, "Oh, Mr. Snob will never play it again." But I would never pull it out over Gaia Project. I think Gaia Project fixed most of anything that, that I didn't like about Terra Mystica. So yeah, we'll definitely have to get to that to the table soon. So, anyways, that is. Gaia Project, that was my uh, second pick. And so, Chad, back to you. I have no flippant idea what I'm going to pick right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, after... I I mean, I'm in the same boat. I mean, honestly, like, I know that you guys aren't going to take any more of my choices. None of my choices are going to be taken. I don't even have to worry about it. So there's no no strategy left involved because I blew it. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Uh, Play better. (laughs) Yeah, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess I'm going to say my next pick when I think of variable player powers and this is a cousin to some of the games that we've been talking about but when I think of variable player powers I think of this game and there's been a lot of talk and lately a lot of studies as to uh, the evenness of winning and winning with different conditions and that sort of thing I'm going to pick Scythe I know it's I know it's a very polarizing game but I think that there are certain abilities in that game that people really like to play with and certain ones that they think are not the game winners. And I think Scythe is is a good one for player powers, despite whatever whatever else you may think of the game. So you start with your own player board, and it's further differentiated by having those uh, those other action boards as well that are better at different things. So it's even more variable so to speak speak so you could have a certain faction but also get a different board to go with it 
like the nationalism board, I think, or I can't remember all the names of them, but I think, you know, having mechs with the, or being able to walk across the rivers as the Nordic faction right away is, is an interesting power, albeit one that I think many have said is really hard to win with. There's the one that you want to give to beginners, which is the Rusviet faction, I think, the red one, where you can double up on actions on your player board and choose the same action uh, two times in a row if you prefer, where you can't do that in the rest of the game. There's the yeah. action where you drop those little tokens to take control of territories as you go, which is kind of big in a territory control game. So I think uh, this one definitely differentiates it. And probably the reason I took it is just on the off chance that one of you might take it next. So, but, <laughs> but the other ones that are on my list, I don't think there's any danger, but anyway, I, I pick, I pick scythe. So I, I still think what, despite what you think of it, it, it has some interesting player power things. No, solid, solid game. And I, I, I does have good variable player powers that do make a difference. Now, when I thought about that game, and I did make my short list, you do have the variable player power that you kind of start off with that, like you said, you know, either do the you know, same action twice or anything like that. And then you kind of also can gain actions as you go along in the game when you remove the mechs from your yep. board. So I kind of thought, I don't know, I was like, it kind of was on the fence for me because I was like, yes, it has variable player powers, but yet part of that is with that part too. So I was like, I don't know if that one would make my list with just the basic player powers or if it's also then once you have the mechs, you have the different abilities that you can do too. So that's why that one just didn't quite, wouldn't have quite made my list because of that. But I still think that's a solid choice and I would never argue against it for being on a list like this. Okay. Yeah, it's a good choice. I I just don't have enough plays of it to for it to have been on my list. And but I think it falls into that category where you see a lot of people will say, you know, that red one is overpowered. Uh, but then some people come through and say, you know, I always win with this other faction. So right. I think it's a good choice. All right. you know, I, I definitely don't think any of the player powers are overpowered, at least from my mm. plays of it. Cool. I, I just I'm just ready to play this with Vince and Corey at, uh, at Pretzcon again. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> if you. If you ever want to see Euro players playing like they're playing like the most Ameritrash game ever, <laughs> that's what Scythe was like at Pretzcon last year. That's right. That was pretty good. <laughs> it was entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Richie, you get back-to-back right. -back picks now. All right. So, for my second pick, I will take uh, – I know neither one of you I think is going to be on your list, but I think it's a, a great pick for variable player powers, and that's Cosmic Encounter. Mm -hmm. oh. And – yeah. And – I think, like, when I want to play Cosmic Encounter, I almost treat it like a party game more than, I can see that. you know, an actual game game. Because the number of, you know, different alien races is just ridiculous with all the expansions. I know it's well over 100, because I think there's 50 in the base game. And they are just, I mean, some of the some of the powers are just out there as far as what you do. And a lot of them are, are funny or silly, uh, but not like... Quelf silly. One of my favorites is the butler, where you have the power to serve. So you, you know, offer to get people their cards for them and hand it to them, flip cards over for them. And if you do that, they have to tip you. <laughs> and they have to tip you by giving you one of their cards out of their hand. And if they refuse to tip you, then you get to decide like where who they're going to attack that turn, you know, how many where their ships come from for the encounter. 
different things like that. And there's like the the bride was another one that's kind of silly where you have the power uh, to marry. So you can marry a player. Uh, I can't remember exactly how that one works, but basically you get to share in any rewards that they get. But you also have the power to divorce. And when you divorce, you take half their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fun game. It's a like I said, I, I would treat it as a party game. I think a lot of people go into that game thinking of it as like a serious you know, sit down, you know, we're going to play, you know, like TI4, like they're looking at it like that. And if you look at it as like a gamer's party game, I think you will really enjoy that. So um, I don't, I know Clef, I don't think you've played it. Chad, have you played this at all? No, I haven't. And it's just because the opinions that I hear are so polarizing, but I, I totally be up mm-hmm. for it with that, ex, with that explanation, with that description. My only thing is in order for something to be a decent party game, it has to be fairly easy to explain. Is Cosmic Encounter fairly easy to explain? To For you guys, yeah. Okay. I, okay. I, like I said, a, a gamer's party game. Okay. I could, I could easily explain Cosmic Encounter to you guys. Okay. And, like if I was gonna teach it to you guys, I wouldn't like throw in all because there's six expansions and they <laughs> keep saying that they're done, but they keep putting out more, right. which I'm fine with. But like I wouldn't teach you, you know, everything across all the different expansions. Uh, the base game is good enough, just like for that uh, kind of lighthearted Richie, party game style. Richie, would I like this game? I think you would if you went into it like that. Hmm. Like if you went into it thinking of it as more a party game, than, more fun yeah. than. Like we're going to sit down and be serious here or like try to figure out a puzzle because you don't have any control over who you I mean, you I won't say you don't have any control over it, but there's a, a destiny deck and that decides each turn who you're going to attack. So it does avoid that problem like in Tammany Hall where you can't necessarily gang up on it. Uh, one particular person because you each turn you're not deciding who you're going to attack that gets flipped out of the deck. There's still a good amount of negotiation, though, correct? Yes, yeah, it it is definitely a negotiation game, but that's another thing where you can have fun with that. So, right, I think you would hmm. like it, Cliff. You know what? I'd definitely be willing to give it a try. That's one of the, you know, it's obviously a huge game that a lot of people know, and I at least want to give it a try. So I, I'm up for it. All right, yeah, we'll definitely try that. So that's cool. Cosmic Encounter. Go ahead and take my third pick, which this is going to be another one I don't think we've played. I don't know if you guys have played it at all, but it's a trick taking game in which. You know, what would a draft be with me without taking a trick taking? Yeah. <laughs> wow, you found one with better with power. All right. Yeah. Uh, tournament at Camelot, which was, I think it was a 2017 game. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's a trick taking game. And the cool thing about, or like kind of the twist with Tournament at Camelot is that you actually have a, you have a health score, basically. And you keep playing until someone dies. And then, and then you'll, whoever has the most health points at that point will be the, the winner of the trick taking game. Uh, but at the beginning of the game, you get a protagonist and a companion card. And the protagonist is your variable player power. And then the companion card is like a little extra, uh, just a little special power that only you can do. You know, I don't want to get into explaining the entire game, but uh, some of them will give you, you know, these godsend cards, which are these powerful cards that you typically only get if you lost the previous round. Uh, other ones will let you take cards from other people. There's just a there's a wide range of the different powers that come through that. It's something that I I definitely you know whenever we have our trick taking night, I think uh, we should definitely give it a shot because I think you guys would like it. I looked at it and I I'm really I'm really intrigued by it. I'd love to play it. I I I've heard a lot about the buzz about it. So 
yeah, this is one I'm looking forward to getting a play of. So, yeah, yeah I've, I've never even heard of it, but sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it plays it plays fast and it, it, it has some decisions in there. And it's one of those uh, kind of like power grid where it's not necessarily great to jump out at the very beginning because then you're not getting those powerful godsend cards at the end of each round. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely give that a shot. So uh, that's tournament at Camelot. So back to you, Chad. Okay, well, my next pick is going to be another anomaly for me, as Richie noted that Imperial Settlers was earlier. I don't always feel like playing this game. I have to be in the right mood to play this game. But it is worker placement, which is always one of the mechanisms I enjoy. And it can be a long game, which, if there's meanness involved, is a hard thing for me to swallow, too. But it, I with the melange of mechanisms, I just seem to get over it most of the time anyway. And that's dominant species. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So dominant species is an area control game, basically. Um, it's, you know, it's known as a Euro war game hybrid, or people call it a waro, but it's an it's, it's an area control game with worker placement and mean card play like it really is these cards are mean 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 uh that come out and you have different factions of of species you have birds and spiders and i think snakes all those kinds of things and they all move around the board and do different things differently but the cards that come out which you really want to make sure you can hop in on most of the rounds which can also be hard to do because you have a limited amount of action pawns and you want to be doing a bunch of other stuff too. But hopping in on on grabbing those cards to play can be really important when you're setting out an ice age to wipe out everybody else's species and 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 those kinds of things. So it it, it can be really mean. But this is a, one of those games where it's it's fun to play with all the different species and really feel like you have a handle on it. Because when you play the first time, you really don't but really feel like you have a handle on playing in all the different ways that the species can spread out, propagate, use their powers to, to win the game. So I've only played this a few times, but like I said, I really, uh, I really enjoy the game. It's just that I have to be in the right mood to play because sometimes the cards make me cry. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's dominant species. I almost feel like we need to have an intervention with you, Chad, because <laughs> I think you actually like mean games. Like, I know you want to try to act like you're this nice guy. You don't want to mess up anybody's stuff on when, you know, when they're playing. But the number of times that where Chad has been the one who, that, you know, let's play Kemet. Let's play. That's because <laughs> oh, I'd never play. Name whatever mean game. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I don't know. Well, I would, I would never in a million years would have guessed you would have picked Dominant Species. I mean, no. Well, never. you've seen it on my shelf. I mean, I own the game. Oh, I didn't even know you owned games. it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, truly, I'll tell you that. I didn't even know yeah, you owned it. I own it. I, I've, I've had the one play of it, and boy, it is, it's a tough game, even for a, an experienced gamer to learn. It's, it's, it's got a lot of stuff going on. It can be. That. The toughest part is figuring out that area majority every, every round. That, that, the yeah. computations for that are, are difficult. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. There you go, dominant species. All right. So 
on to me. Okay, well, I positive. Well, I guess I got back-to-back picks again, don't I? Yes, you do. Yep. So I don't even have to worry about anybody else taking anything else. So I'll just... Uh, <laughs> I know what you're going to take. I will... Yeah, well, so I'll, I'll go ahead and take the for sure pick. And, and that is going to be Twilight Imperium, whether that's three or four. This game has, I think, 13, 14, something like that, different races that you can play. And not only do you have 13 to 14 different races that all have different variable player powers that drastically uh, affect the game. You also, with those races, have different flagships that are like a main piece of yours that will do something different. And you have special technologies that you have. So really, there's a whole just chunk of stuff that you get to play that is always going to be different than somebody. Um, and those those player powers really can help you kind of even figure out the game that you're going to kind of play. It might be you have a race that's better at the trading. You might have one that's good at negotiation. You might have one better at fighting. And you might have one better maybe that's at technology. So those player powers that you get in Twilight Imperium just really make the game feel so much more, you know, different every single time I've played it. And a lot of people, you know, do find it weird that Twilight Imperium is one of the games that I, I have played as much. I, I will say I, I it used to be like probably in my top 10 games of all time. It has, has dropped out since since I've learned some different games that I that I do enjoy more. But I still find, as I said earlier, I find it to be still a very strategic game that you are working through a puzzle as you're going along in the game. Yes, there's luck involved in it with different things and certainly dice rolls in it, but I do feel the game to be very strategic and strategic where you can use each one of those variable player powers to what you are trying to do. Um, And sometimes with that game, you might have a player who's a very, you know, uh, like Chad, who doesn't like to attack or do anything like that. Uh, (laughs) He might get a race that is you know, a very attacky race, you know, that's a the very aggressive race. And so then he's almost forced into, you know, if he wants to do well, at least, you know, forced into the fact, okay, this is the way that I have to play it. So in that way, the player powers can even make you do something, you know, maybe that's not even in your comfort level, but you in you get to experience a different way to play it. Um, obviously, you guys have had the one play that, that you had with me. What were your feelings on it? I was going to say that I think that the different player powers really make a difference in this game almost as much as any other, with the exception of maybe uh, Marco Polo. You're right. They're so much different, and that's what's attractive to me with this game. I guess ultimately my play of the game was, oh, this, it was, you know, as much as as uh, Roll to Resolve and, like, what was it, eight hours? Which probably isn't that bad for that game, but eight hours of game is... Uh, I I I enjoyed it mostly because of the player powers, and I had one that fits what what I feel like. Maybe not what Richie says, but what I feel like is my <laughs> is my personality because I had the technology heavy one that was actually pretty fun for me to play with. Um, yeah. So so I I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I I like I said the the player powers themselves are what make that game attractive to me. I just don't know if I want to put in eight hours regularly. 
Well, and you think about that. That was a six-player game with three players being brand new. Yeah. That's really not to – I mean, eight hours is a long time for a game. And, but I've played that game in a six-player game when people have known what they're doing and we can get done in five hours, which, okay, yes, most people would be like, yes, that's still five hours. I get that. But it's not – some people will say, oh, it's a 12-hour game. That's because you have people that don't know what they're doing and they're not moving the game along that or – or having way too much AP or something. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's uh, that's Twilight Imperium. Did you guys have anything else to j- on that one? I was gonna say I I, I enjoyed uh, that play of it, uh, just because. And I I know you guys told me at the beginning of the game like you can't just go out and just fight everything, even though that that's my style of play <laughs> and win the game. And I didn't win the game. I had one point, but. I had fun going out, and my whole goal of the game was to get over to Mason's. He had like all of his ships on one tile, and my my uh, my mothership or what is that called? Flagship. Flagship. My flagship. My flagship's ability was when it got destroyed, it just took out the entire tile. So that Luke. became yeah, <laughs> yeah it, that became my whole game until Chad. <laughs> Just messed me and I up. Wouldn't have, I would have got away with it if it wasn't for you stinking kids. <laughs> exactly, but yeah, it's it's a fun game, and those uh, the different powers that, that really make it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so that was Twilight Imperium, three or four, whatever you want to say, basically there. All right, so my last pick, and this is yeah, this is a tough one for me because literally, I'm I'm telling you guys, I have I wrote down. 20 games that could have been in my top four. Uh, so I think for my last one, I am going to go with Anachrony. Hmm. Okay. Um, so, yeah, um, Anachrony, just basically it's kind of a, it's, it's a Euro worker placement game where you're kind of uh, have the theory that you're kind of going back in time and, and borrowing from yourself and you have to repay yourself and type of thing. But basically it's a worker placement game, but it has, and you can play this game with, with uh, well, with different sides of the board, but you're always going to play with a card that gives you different player powers. But you can also play with the other sides of the board that give you different player powers. And you can play with a part that gives you different things when you go off to do traveling. So there's lots of different player powers in that game that can make it different. Now, I'm hesitant to put this one on my list because sometimes when I play it, I don't feel like the player powers influence the game dramatically as in the other games that I have picked so far. It's kind of like a, just a, it's, there are some extra things that you get to do, but maybe doesn't, you know, totally change the game, but I still find it to be a really cool game. And I still always enjoy which player power am I going to use? And I really, really, and if anybody's listening out there, that uh, wants to make an expansion for Anachrony. Hello, they're, people. It, Let's get on it's, that. It's, it's, yeah, it it's being made right now. I've okay, I've read good. from David Turkzy, I think you pronounce it. Uh, it's coming out this year sometime, I think. Doesn't okay, that already that have is, an expansion? Like a pretty big well, expansion? Well, it came with, you know, supposedly two expansions, which I never understand that anymore. They're just, you know, part of the game. But I, I really would like them to make some new of those cards that you have. Like everybody, every race has just two cards. I'd really like to see some more player powers in that, and I think that would really improve that game if you had some more variables with the the player powers. But I'm still going to go with it. It's anachrony. Um, you guys, I believe, have had the plays with with me 
Uh, do you disagree? I mean, is this one that you're like, ah, I don't really think that that one should be on the list? Well, this one almost made my list. It was it was that like when I was okay. listing them, it it got to number ten. So I felt like you did. Okay. It was there, but it didn't have as much influence on the game as some other ones did. But still, it, it's very interesting. And uh, to speak to your point about a future expansion, it's on the BGG forums. I'd have to look at it. He's slyly hinted at a bunch of stuff, but I think Turksy has talked about uh, making making some more of those cards, if I'm not mistaken. But I'd encourage you to get uh-huh. on the BGG forums for it and see because he's he's given out some hints definitely on what he's been doing and wanting to do. So, Okay, excellent. Well, that's that's good news. Richie, any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I would say it's a legit pick. I only have the one play of it, which I think uh, our group, we need to play game like as a group, get a, <laughs> more than one play in of some of these games because I really liked it. <laughs> but yeah, it... I would say it's a legit pick. I, I can't remember exactly what my power was when we played, but I think it had something to do with, with the water, maybe. I don't know. But Yeah. And when yeah. we probably played it, we just probably used the cards. You probably didn't use the B-sides of the board, or I don't know if we did the... Uh... No, you had just gotten it, I think. So Okay. So, yeah. So when you add a little bit more, it does make it a little bit more variable. Like I said, this is one that's just on the border for me. I mean, it definitely has it, but I could say that it doesn't affect it quite as much, but... Still a solid game, so that's going to be my uh, my number four pick, Anachrony. All right, Chad, back to you for your last one. Okay, well, when you had mentioned uh, a Mind Clash game, this one was a little bit higher up on my list. I was going to pick it, but I don't feel like the player powers necessarily make or break the game, and I've played it without the player powers, and I'm not as familiar with how how they work within the game. So I'm not going to pick Tricarion, Tra- though that was high on my list. But I am going to pick a game that you both don't give a crap about, which is Millennium Blades. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Silence. <laughs> yeah, yep. I, know. I know. That's all right. You guys just don't always have the best taste. But Millennium Blades. A lot of people like it. Yeah, it's true. The, the... The guild vote from like last uh, draft may say different about our text. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's hard to be at the forefront of teaching people good games. So anyway, uh, the, uh, the the basically Millennium Blades is a real time, uh, I guess I'd say drafting, trading, uh, CCG, collectible card game, where you are, you have taped stacks of paper money so you're throwing out fat stacks of money buying cards from the store trying to trade back and forth with other people trying to get a collection but also trying to build a deck to take to tournaments because you go to a tournament i believe either three or four times uh depending on where you whether you play the pre-release version and you're trying to play these uh, win these tournaments and get more points so that the end of the game the points that you've scored with collections of of cards in your in your binder so to speak and points that you've won from finishing in first second or third place at the tournaments have won you points and that's kind of the way you way you go about the game but each it's very meta the whole game is very meta you know and going to the store and getting a valuable one and finding that one in your foil pack and then 
picking another one and trying to sell it back to the store for more money and going through your collection and all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, you have these these people that are playing in the tournament. So one I think is Carta Collecta, and that's one of the one of the names. I don't remember them all, but they all have a few different things that they're good at and they whether that's focusing on being able to trade at a better ratio or being able to have certain powers of flipping cards during the tournament or being able to uh, buy more cards or just starting out with a ton more money and the the ability to make more money they seem like they affect the game at a pretty decent amount they're they're uh, important to use to to play to win the game. So I I really this was one of the games that I thought of pretty highly when I thought of player powers. So that's Millennium Blades. Clef, you've played it more times than Richie. Uh any thoughts about about the player powers specifically? You know, I'll be quite honest with you when you said it I had to really strain to think of what was the variable player powers. And I guess now, if I remember right, we did each have a, a card that gave you some sort of ability. Is that right? Yeah, both That's in the tournament was? and in the in the store buying phase. That's right. Okay, so you could flip it over. That is, that is a hard game for me to comment on on whether, because I just... I just have... This is sad. I just don't have fun playing that game, so I guess I just don't think of the variable player power of what it does in the game. I think I'm just, I'm too stressed when I play that game. I just, I don't know why <laughs> that's that game stresses you out. Huh? <laughs> it just does. I don't I, I just, and half the time I, you know, after I'm done buying packs and then I'm done trading and the trading rounds going on and I'm like, Oh my God, is this almost over? <laughs> All right. Anyways, I'll, I'll stop talking. To you. <laughs> Richie, tell us why you love that game so much. <laughs> you know what I said about, we should play as a group. Some of these games more than once. This would, I'm fine it's with this one. You know, we'll me. keep it at that one play. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chad, I, Chad, I was actually, <laughs> <laughs> I was actually shocked that I didn't like it just because Level 99 Games puts out some of my favorite games that are Argent. <laughs> yep, and that are you know not in my realm. Like as far as like the art style, the theme, like uh, like you just said with Argent. Like I don't care about wizards or right you know any of that but that game is just you know just fun uh, so i was kind of looking for the same thing in this but i don't know i it'd be tough for me to play it again but and i i can't even comment on the the player powers because i have no clue it's been so long since we played that. So I don't even know. It's I'm trying to remember if when we played it, if that was the first play, because usually I get at least one rule wrong when I teach. So that could have had an effect on it, too. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have played it what, three times. Um, yeah. So I, I and it's it's the same time, basically, obviously the same way it's been played every time. I don't know. Let, let move on. So you you. Uh, you wrap it up there. Yep, that's it. Millennium Blade. So, Richie, what's your last pick? Yep. All right. So, um, I think I'm going to go a little lighter. I'm going to go with Small World. Oh, man. Wow. See, now I would disagree with this. See, now I knew you would disagree with this. Now, <laughs> here's my argument. Each variable player power that you get is yours. No one else is going to have that throughout the game. 
And even though you may change them throughout the game, each set of unique player powers that you get, they're 100% yours. No one's going to take them from you. And there's no way for, like, those races aren't going to get shuffled back in or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. (laughs) I feel like the draft is such an important part of it, but that's just my take on it. I don't know, Richie. And partly maybe it's because the game is not one of my favorites. I really dislike this game. I used to like it a lot back in the day, but, you know, it's not one of my favorites for sure now. So that's hard for me to say, but I don't know that, that you're you're pushing it. I'll say that you're, you're on the edge. Is this because I disagreed on the key flower option? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get a motor party. I want to give it you. to you. Well, Richie, if you picked a better game, I would be with you on this. But that, that's why. Yeah, exactly. I I like it for just a good light, you know, mindless. Let's go out and you know just like I, I play this on my phone all the time. Just and I mean that's probably the. I don't know the last time I actually played the physical game, but you know, it yeah. it's one of those it's interesting as far as the diff- the way that the races come out and the different powers that come with them. We'll let the guild decide as far as if <laughs> this is a well, legit pick. But I, I, I think it's variable player power. All right. Certainly it's a popular game. There's no doubt about that. A lot of people love love small world, right. but I, I feel like that's one of the games that is almost like a kind of a gateway game for some people as they play that and then you move on and find out that maybe it's not the best of game in the world. But anyways, okay, so uh, yeah, I like your guys' last two picks. That makes me feel much better about my list. So. <laughs> uh, yes. And I, I said I was so, going to go a little lighter. I should make the disclaimer that just because I don't care for Small World doesn't make it a bad game. I'm just I'm saying that because... Uh, because Richie right. was sliding me, and I'll also say I didn't oh, mean I to slam Caverna earlier when I was when I was making fun of it a little bit, but because I obviously drafted it in my in my what, my first. Why know. are you apologizing? We sat there and just bashed on Millennium like two seconds <laughs> right. ago. Why are you worried about apologizing? <laughs> um, okay, so I real quick wanted to, and I don't know if you guys have got some honorable mentions too. But I just want to roll through. I mean, this is how many games that I feel, this is how much I love variable player powers that I didn't even come close to. For one thing, one of my most favorite games in, in, in existence, Nations, has variable player yeah, powers. Yeah, that's what I, mean, I thought you were going to pick. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought about it, but they and it can make a big difference. But as the game goes on, the Nation makes less and less of a difference. So I just felt like those other games were uh, more... Uh, the the player powers made more of a difference. And I kind of thought, well, I picked that for my last uh, list, so I just kind of thought, well, I'll, I'll pick some different games. Um, Clans of Caledonia, uh, I thought about that one, but then I thought, well, if I'm picking Gaia Project, you know, similar type of game, so I, I left that one, but that's another one. Uh, we already talked about Zulkin having that ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zango oh, has yeah. variable player powers if you play that. with the different boards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, a game that I've only gotten one play of in that had extremely different variable player powers and made a huge difference was uh, Sidereal Confluence, huh. I believe how it's called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That had hugely variable player powers, and, and I'd actually would like to try that game again just to kind of see how d- the different can go there. Um, a game that I know the three of us are maybe not the hugest fans of, but this is a hugely popular game, and I'm not sure if this one would count or not. Terraforming Mars. 
you can play with where you get the different special power, mm. but I'm not sure how much impact it has on the I'd game. agree with you. It, it agrees on how you start out, but it, it, it has to go be with how you start out, but it doesn't feel like over the whole play of the game it makes a huge difference. That's my yeah. opinion of it anyway. No, okay. I think you definitely want to play then, with them because it's like a variant where you don't, and I would never play that way. But Right, but it doesn't make a big difference as the game goes on. I would, I would agree with that. Richie, would you feel about the same way on that one? I know you're... Yeah, I did... It did I mean, it just seemed like that that was almost like your starting resources. I know it's not like starting resource, but it like it seems like that is how much impact it has on it, where yeah. it just kind of influences how you start. But by the end of the game, you, you know, yeah, does absolutely. it really matter what company you are? Yeah. Um, last couple that I threw on mine, Empire's Age of Discovery. Um, dudes on a map type of game, but it certainly has some hugely variable player powers on what you kind of can do. They don't. You don't necessarily use them all throughout the game, but they can be very powerful when you do use them. So I, I thought that was. I mean, would you guys consider those to be variable player powers? Sure. I mean, okay. Yeah, because that one almost because a, a lot of them were like one shot use, right? Right. I guess exactly. you're right. Yeah, yeah. One or two shot. Yep. So maybe not. I mean, maybe mm. it's just a. Yeah, I don't know. That one's kind of on the on the borderline yeah, for me too. There. And then the last one I put on here, uh, Merchants and Marauders. I definitely feel like you're picking a captain. He usually has, you know, a little bit of variable player power. I wouldn't put it on my list for sure, but, I mean, there there is a variable player power aspect to that with your captain. Right. Small, once again, but does have a variable player power. Right. So, I don't know. Do you guys have some honorable mentions that weren't mentioned? Richie? Um, I had, I had Argent on my yeah, list. Yeah, I put that too. That would be one I'd say. But that was also one that, cause I don't know, like how, by the end of it, you're, you know, getting so many spells and different things like that. I didn't know really how much that really impacted, but. That's a good point because what, there's so much going on in that game. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't yeah. even <laughs> but, remember what your special player power is by the end. Yeah. It still matters yeah. though, I think. And, yeah. Okay. And then, All right. uh. Going off of level 99, I had Battlecon, uh, Devastation of Endines, sure. where, you know, it's basically Street Fighter or whatever fighting game you want to, side-scroller game you want to uh, assign to it. Uh, and those those are just wildly different powers depending on the characters that you pick. Right. Um, and then the last one that, for honorable mentions, I had uh, Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. I, I didn't know about putting co-ops on here because it seems like, all co-ops they have to give you something that you know separates you from the other players as far as some type of skill or something like that true uh mansions of madness your your powers are fairly different between the different characters so that's why i had that one on there and that one that also just kind of adds to the storytelling in that game Uh, so i thought it was yeah good for an honorable mention well one that seems like that along those lines and though i haven't played it yet but one that fits that co-op bill that people have been talking a lot about, and I'd still really like to get a play of it, is Spirit Island. And I've heard the player powers are very different oh, yeah. as to how mm-hmm. they play, and it makes it kind of a heavier co-op game. And so I, I, I'd definitely like to try that because because that sounds interesting to me. But the only two that weren't mentioned that I had on my list somewhere was, I guess I should say three. Um, I had the expanse way farther down on the list because I haven't had as many plays of it, but you don't really start out because you have to unlock your powers sort of, but 
nobody else can have those powers. So you get those and those are kind of interesting and they definitely affect the way you play. So I would, I would call that it's, it's kind of like handing out the roles in uh, Tammany Hall, but I'd call those definitely variable player powers. I just haven't had as much experience, but I think I'd enjoy that them the more I play. Another big one to me, though we probably don't always think of this game as that way, is Stockpile. Stockpile. Oh, no. I, I, had, I had that on one I'd yeah, list. Yeah, it was but, a thought process. Yeah. yeah. So that that's, that's variable player powers, and, and you definitely use them in that game. And sometimes you're like, Dang it! Why didn't I get that power? Because that person is totally looking yeah. at those cards, and they know what that. Yeah, is. that was one of those that, like, I don't always play with them. That's why I didn't. They like, ultimately didn't make my list, but, uh, but yeah, they're they're pretty good though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the last one, which I don't know if you guys even thought of, and and again, it feels much less like it affects your gameplay. But in Steampunk Rally, you start with an inventor, which really starts off your machine, and really depends on how you build the rest of it. So uh, I felt like that was one. Oh, and on the lighter side, I would say Colt Express because my family loves to play that game. We play it quite a bit. Ooh. And each, you really use your power most of the time. It's a, that one's a big deal. Um, one I thought you would have on your list, Chad, um, or at least as an honorable mention, would be, and, and maybe you don't think of this as a variable player power, would role player be a variable player power? Gosh, I'm trying to think. I, I have that on that same list with like stockpile and stuff. It just doesn't seem like it was that big of a deal. Yeah. As far as the gameplay goes. Uh, Cause really probably the cards you're, you're buying and stuff make more of a difference than that. Right. But I mean, certainly whatever your race gets makes you influence on which stats and stuff you go after. True. So it's true. It's going to affect your gameplay. It didn't even make my short list, but Yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's going to affect your gameplay, but I don't know that it gives you a leg up, so to speak, in in much of a way. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. Um, now, here's another one that I, I just want to throw out because we're talking about what ones would be. Would you consider Seven Wonders to have variable player powers? Not really. Not me, anyway. No. No? I mean, the Wonders are vastly different on what abilities they can give you through. But you have to have those wonders and you have to get those abilities until you, otherwise it would be like the leader cards in Il Magnifico. Okay. Very true. Okay. So let me run over those lists real quick of what everybody drafted. So, uh, well, Richie, why don't you give us the four that you got? Uh, yeah, so I started the draft with the best pick, and that's Voyages of Marco Polo. This is twice now, by and the then, way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe we should, hey. next time, we should just uh, move to maybe Chad's first, and then I'm first, that's and then right. rolling dice. We're <laughs> <laughs> hero like... players, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I had Cosmic Encounter, and then Tournament at Camelot, and Small World to finish it up. And my four were Imperial Settlers, Scythe. Dominant Species, and Millennium Blades. All right, and to round it out, my four were Lorenzo El Magnifico, Gaia Project, Anachrony, and Twilight Imperium. All right, so those are our lists. So now we want to know which list do you think is best. So if you would like to, go to Board Game Geek. Click on the guilds link 
And you can go to guild number 3227. So, you know, it's Punchboard Paradise. And you'll find a thing down there that just basically says uh, top variable player power lists and click on that. And then you can vote for who you think overall has the best list of variable player power games. And feel free to leave a comment under that in the forum uh, as to what what you feel like was left out, too. We love hearing that stuff as well. So, Definitely. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I, I know a few people, you know, even kind of said why they voted for what they did. And I thought that was really neat as opposed to uh, whoever just kind of voted and didn't give us anything. Yeah, give us some information. Tell us what you think and why. Okay, so... Um, Richie, why don't you tell everybody else where else they can get in touch with us or kind of see what we're up to? Sure. So on Facebook and Instagram, we're at Punchboard Paradise. On Twitter, we're at Punchboarders. And if you want to shoot us an email with any questions or anything like that, it's punchboardparadise at gmail.com. All right. Well, that is our show, everybody. So next episode, tune in as the Punchboarders give their full review of Charterstone. Ooh. So thanks everybody for listening and have a great day. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hey, see ya. Talk to you later. <laughs>